Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. I really am excited to preach today. This message has been burning in my heart even since the beginning of December. Um, I wanna talk about self-discipline and what it can develop and unlock in our lives. Is that okay? So let's start though with Hebrews 12, 11. I'm gonna read this quickly and then we'll get to 2 Timothy. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. We can all attest to that. Later on, However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And then 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 9, it'll be on the screens behind us. It says this, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoners, but rather join me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was not given to us was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Then verse 14, let's jump to that. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The title of my message today is, This is the Year of Opportunities. This is the Year of Opportunities. Right here, right now, 2023, the first day This is the year of what? Opportunities. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that even though these letters were written to different people at that time, it can speak to us today. It can change us today. It can mold us today to be all that you've called us to be. Give us hearts that are receptive. Lord, give us determination to live out the words that are spoken today for the rest of our lives. And I do pray from the outset of this message that this will be the year of opportunities. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. It's the first day of 2023, and it's so exciting. This is generally the day when most people step into their New Year's resolutions. It's the day that people start living out the goals that they're dreaming of. Next year, I want to do this. I want to start in January working out. I want to start eating healthier, whatever the goals are that we all go through. And most people I know also pick a word of the year. That's kind of common knowledge around even my friend groups. Like, what's your word of the year? What do you feel like God has spoken to you? It's something that they can hold on to all year long. And it feels like in this season of a new year, opportunity is all around us. Don't you feel like that? When you step into a new year, it's like, okay, I get a fresh start. I get a new beginning. That's what the new year really does feel like. But sometimes it feels like we are all unaware that we can set goals on other days than New Year's. Wouldn't you agree? 
Like so often we're waiting for the new year and when that comes, now I can start living it. But the reality is every day is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. His grace is new every morning. Come on, we have opportunity every single day. This last month, me and Casey started a, a little workout and eating plan together. And everybody asked me, why don't you just wait till the New Year's to start this? That seems like something you'd start in the New Year's. And I told them, because I don't want to go through Christmas feeling like junk and then just wait for that to come. I want to start beforehand and I want to get ready for the New Year to come, right? Every single one of our lives, we have this incredible thing in front of us every single day. And that thing is opportunity. It's a set of circumstances that enable you to do something. Our lives are full of constant opportunity. Whether you see it or not, you're surrounded by micro opportunities all the time. Like I have the opportunity this morning to walk into my kitchen and get myself a glass of water, right? To nourish my body, to fill my body so that I didn't become dehydrated and die, right? Micro opportunity. I even had the opportunity this morning to eat the bacon egg bites from Starbucks, right? I had the opportunity to buy them, and I had the opportunity to eat them. Why? Because I know when I don't eat and I preach, I'm going to feel very weak afterwards, and you don't want to talk to me after I don't eat and then preach. You know what I'm saying? I have these micro opportunities all around me. One of the things also that I have the micro opportunity to do is have conversations with my kids to build them up. There might be some people that have minor deters from these different opportunities, but in reality, we still obviously live with opportunities all around us. Like, what is America called to everybody who's not originally from here? The land of opportunities, right? And I think oftentimes, in the grind of life, in the coping of life, in the desire to survive, we forget the simple fact that we are surrounded by opportunities. And if we simply engage in the opportunity, it could very well change the way in which we live. Come on, opportunity is the options of life fulfillment around you. But how do you truly take hold of opportunity? I believe it happens by self-imposed discipline. Self-imposed discipline. And let me say it like this. The level of which you take hold of your opportunity is only possible by the level of your self-discipline. Let me say it again so it sinks in. The level of which you take hold of opportunity is only possible by the level of your self-discipline. I've always had unfulfilled opportunities in my personal health. Pretty much my whole life I've had expectations on what I wanted to weigh, how I wanted to feel, and yet I've never fully attached them. Why? Laziness. Why? Lack of awareness. Why? Lack of self-discipline. And on December 1st, Casey McGinnis and I came up with this plan that we call the 99 grind. And basically, it's a daily rhythm of living in discipline of our minds, of our soul, of our bodies, everything coming into alignment. It basically breaks down like this. If you got nothing for the new year, you can take the 99 grind right now, right? It looks like this. 30 minutes of out loud prayer every single day. 30 minutes of reading your Bible and journaling every single day. It's 60 minutes of physical activity, 30 of which needs to be a workout, right? And then it's no gluten, no processed sugar, no deep fried. That one gets me every time. It's 100 ounces of water every single day. I've been doing a daily vitamin every day, but I've actually been doing the greens by the Loudons. Thank you, God, for the Loudons. And then it's 
15 minutes of a podcast or a sermon or reading a book every single day. Can I tell you, I have never felt better in my life than the last month. These are the expectations I put for my personal health and my self-care that I've given myself. No one else has said to do this. Brianna didn't force me to do this. My kids weren't asking me to do this. Casey and I talked, we go, we have to do this. We have to grow. I've been choosing self-discipline like never before. And what's the result? Fruit. I'm losing weight. My clarity of thought is crystal clear. My energy is back. My discipline continues to grow. My determination is greater than ever. And I'm living in opportunity because of self-discipline. And now when it comes to my relationship with God, most importantly, my nearness to God, to his word, to his voice is closer than ever before. I feel like I'm walking in step with him every single moment of every day. It's a beautiful thing what this self-discipline every day has meant and developed in my life. I was one of those people before that I was very fluid. I had a Bible reading plan. I would read it throughout the day whenever I could. My prayer life was very fluid. But when I locked into this plan, I tell you what, the last month has been so fruitful. It's been beautiful with the Lord. The problem with most believers is that the gift, because the gift of opportunity to have a relationship with God and walk in the gifts and the calling of God is freely given and simply based on our ability to lean in, oftentimes people don't do anything past going to church and getting a fix of church on a Sunday. They're not willing to put in the work. It's kind of like this. Today is my son Cove's sixth birthday. And on our table at home is a bunch of presents, it is a pinata that we're going to break down later on. There's a cake. It's all ready for him. And it would be like when he gets home from church today, walking and seeing wrapped presents and saying, you know what? I don't want to unwrap those, so I'm not going to receive the gifts. All it takes is a simple bit of unwrapping, getting under the surface to reap the gifts and the love that his parents have for him. Yet he's unwilling to do the little things that wouldn't make any sense. Yet new studies have showed, and let me shock you for a second. Can I shock you? Is it okay if we speak truth today? Yeah. New studies have shown that 80% of Christians don't open their Bible outside of the four walls of the church. 80%. If we were to have this room stand up, there's about 200 people in this room, more than 100 of you. We're talking like over 150 people standing to their feet saying, I don't read my Bible outside of listening to you speak the Bible every week. Self-discipline is off. And I'm sorry, the fullness of opportunity to life, the greatest story ever told, the mission plan of our lives, the love letter from God, the very words of God are right in front of us, yet 80% of Christians don't step up to the opportunity to have a relationship with God. All you're talking about is opening up the Bible. And reading the words, the present is sitting on the table, right? For every single one of us, the opportunity to have a relationship with God and hear his voice every single day, and yet we can't even open up the present. Come on, church. This is the year of opportunities. This is the year where we enter into all that God has called us to be. This is the year that we enter into deeper relationships with him than we ever have before. And I believe the reason that people don't unwrap the gift is a lack of self-discipline. Proverbs 25, 28 in the NLT says, a person without self-control, in another version it says self-discipline, is like a city with broken down walls. 
Come on, there's no fortification. You let things in. You go with the flow. There's no definition to the city. I believe self-discipline leads us to fulfilled expectations, which leads us to living in opportunity. And I love to say it this way. I hope this sticks with you. Self-discipline is the bridge to living in the fullness of opportunity. Let me say it again. Self-discipline is the bridge to living in the fullness of opportunity. Come on, this is the year of opportunities. Amen? Daniel has always been one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I remember from a young age sitting in Sunday school and hearing the story of Daniel in the lion's den and being blown away by the goodness of God even at a young age. And since then, it's always stuck with me. And I actually have never preached a sermon on it, and I think I will come back and preach more about it because there's so much that happens in and through this story. But there's a couple small truths that have to do with self-discipline that I wanted to pull out today because I believe it can help every single one of us. Daniel was one of the three leaders under the rule of King Darius. It says that it, in Daniel 6 that Daniel was distinguished among the other leaders and that the king had planned to make Daniel the rule over, ruler over all the kingdom. This made the other rulers jealous and they tried to find a way to get Daniel removed from his position. They tried to find charges against him, but they could find nothing. He did nothing corrupt, and he was trustworthy. And the scriptures literally say, if you read Daniel 6, they would have never found anything. Ooh, I love that word. They would have never found anything. Come on, I think people of this day, let me preach a little side sermon that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with this. I think people of this day, Christians of this day, have neglected this idea of blamelessness. That we're not living lives where if someone were to examine our lives, they could find nothing wrong with us. And they never would find anything with us. I believe that God is calling Grace City Tampa to be a body of believers that is blameless. To be people where if people examine us, they go, I can find nothing inside of them that is corrupt, that is evil, that isn't trustworthy. I believe this, this scripture right here should be a mantra for us. But that's just extra to what I want to talk about today. The two leaders devised a plan and they approached King Darius. They said to him, oh, great and mighty one, Alex's paraphrased version, you're the only one that we need to pray to. So let's issue a decree that anyone who prays to any other gods besides you over the next 30 days will be thrown into the lion's den. They're trying to find the best way to get rid of Daniel. It's a lion's den. That seems like a good solution. King Darius signed off. He put the decree in writing so it could not be altered. Let's pick it up in Daniel 6.10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. I'll say it one more time. Just as he had done before. What a powerful, powerful truth. So one of the greatest examples of self-discipline in the Bible, no one was forcing him to pray three times a day. No one was asking him to. He went up to his room, opened the windows, got on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to God just as he had done before. Man, if I were Daniel, I would have turned on some loud music 
closed the windows facing towards Jerusalem, prayed quietly for 30 days? Not Daniel. This guy didn't let anything stop him. He was determined, locked in, and full of self-discipline. Come on, every single one of us has the opportunity every single day to name our season before our season names us. Come on, we get to choose who we will be tomorrow regardless of the things that happen around us. We can make the choice to be who we were called to be. And self-discipline readies us and enables us to face anything that comes our way. It gives us the initial hard point to move towards God and towards who he's called us to be. Come on, just as he had always done. He didn't, he didn't you know, shudder in the face of evil and, and the different commands of the king. No, he stayed faithful to his disciplines and said, I'm going to be faithful to what I've been called to. Brianna and I have various ways of disciplining our children. Uh, some of them we probably won't talk about right now because it doesn't need to be talked about. But some of the most basic and beginning stages would be withholding rewards. Like if they don't clean their room, they might not get a candy or they might not get a treat that day. The second would be a simple five-minute timeout. If they don't do something we've asked them to do, okay, you're going to have a little timeout then, right? Others would be if they don't look both ways before they cross the road on their bike, Sometimes we've even taken away their bike for the rest of the day or even a couple days saying, you have to learn that you need to look both ways. Why? Because we want them to understand for themselves that they need to be self-disciplined enough that when they approach the road, they got to look both ways. Do we understand this? The goal of disciplining our kids is not disciplining for the sake of disciplining. The goal of disciplining our kids is that someday... They will need to be self-disciplined to make choices on their own. Someday, they'll have to make all their own choices, and we want to train, equip, and empower our kids to make the best choices they can make. Right. Hebrews 12, 11, we read earlier, says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Come on, so what we see here is Although it might not feel great in the moment, it, it reaps a harvest of righteousness and peace. And now no one is going to be discipling or disciplining you as an adult. And I pray and hope that you see the importance of today of making your best choices and living as self-disciplined people. Because I really do believe that when we discipline ourselves, even though it might not seem pleasant at the time, we're going to reap a harvest of righteousness and peace. So how does someone like Daniel stand in the face of death and continue to live in self-discipline and do the things he feels called to do? Like, think about it. Every variable around him was telling him not to do it, was telling him to stop. Like, for example, for me over the last month, when I was approaching my daily prayer walk, whenever the variables were off, it got cold this last month, uh, whenever the variables were off, when my kids would be up before me, right, the variables were off, I would, I would kind of stop and go, man, should I do this today or should I just do it later, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that's just for my simple walking and praying. But how does someone like Daniel kneel down to his death basically three times a day? A day? And I believe it happens because he was empowered. He was empowered. Second Timothy 1, 9 through 6 says this, for this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us what? Power, love, and self-discipline. So the spirit inside of us is empowering us to have power, love, 
and self-discipline. Verse 8, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as a prisoner. Rather, join me in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God. So he's welcoming here. Paul is welcoming Timothy saying, listen, listen, join me in this suffering. And the only way to be able to do it is when God empowers you with power and love and self-discipline. Come on, church. We're in the new covenant. We're living in the days where the Holy Spirit has omnipresently resided across the face of the earth. We are in the days of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when you accept the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you step into the 2 Timothy 1, 6 kind of promise to be in power. So what does the Holy Spirit do when we fan into flame his gift? He gives us power. Come on, he gives us love. And that's the same word in John 3, 16. The same love that sent Jesus to the cross, that agape love. He gives us that kind of love that we can lay down our lives. And he gives us self-discipline. You know what I've started to do every morning after the first week of my prayer walk when all the variables started deterring me? I would walk outside and I'd say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I'm attempting to fan into flame. I'm recognizing the flame that is within me. I'm recognizing the gift and the baptism of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And I'm saying, come on, fan into flame. Give me power. Give me love. Give me self-discipline today. Come on, church. I believe 2023 is going to be a year that all of us will look back on for the rest of our lives. This will be a year that we we will remember where we reaped a harvest like never before. I have a word for our church coming next week that I believe will give clarity and focus and intentional mission. It's going to take a lot of God-given power, of God-given love, of God-given self-discipline to step into the calling that God has on this house. But you know where it all starts? Where stepping into the God empowerment starts. 2 Timothy 1.6. Fan into flame. Fan into flame. The opportunity is right there to reach out, to make the choice, to say, today, I am going to have the self-discipline enough to fan this into flame. That's our opportunity. Come on, we have to take the first step. James 4.8, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. We have to intentionally train, equip, and self-discipline ourselves to continually fan into flame. And when we do, the gifts come after. Paul talks about running this race of our lives like this in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in the race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not get a crown, or they do do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Come on, Paul is explaining the idea that opportunity is right in front of these athletes to get the prize, which is our goal as well. He clarifies that the only way to get the prize that is in front of us is to have strict training, not running aimlessly, and making his body his slave so that he doesn't disqualify him. Man, I've seen so many pastors, so many people over the last even couple of years, my whole life, people I've looked up to fall. Even people I've had a personal relationship with in ministry that I never thought in a million years they would have fallen, fall. And I look at the scripture and I go, 
I wonder if they didn't make their body their slave, but they let their body be the determining factor of their life. And I say, no, no, no. It's time for a group of believers, a body of believers, to beat our body into submission and say, no, we are going to make a stand. We are going to live in self-discipline. We are going to fight the good fight. We're going to finish the race. We're going to get the prize, and we're not going to be disqualified in Jesus' name. See, Paul isn't writing to the Corinthians. I want you to hear me today. Focus in for one second. He isn't writing to the Corinthians saying he's going to come discipline them. He isn't saying he's going to come get them ready for the race. He doesn't say that someone else is disciplining them. No, he says, I strike a blow to my body. I strike a blow to my body. Come on, he's welcoming them into this idea that you have to be the one who lives it out yourself. No one is forcing you. No one is disciplining you. Come on, just like we said, it's not pleasant at the time. You got to do it to yourself. Self-discipline leads us to living in the opportunities. So how do we move forward every day? I want to be really practical for a second. I found this in in 2 Corinthians 9, and I believe three steps to help us live in the opportunities. Number one, aim to win. Verse 24 says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Come on, we got to aim to win. We got to set our eyes on the prize. We got to set our goal in front of us and say, this is what I'm working towards. This is what I'm doing. I'm intentionally aiming to win. Number two, make a plan. Come on, verse 26. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. That's all that the 99 grind is for Casey and I. It's a plan. It's something to say, you know what? I don't want to wake up every day and just kind of feel this. Like, what am I going to be self-disciplined in? I'm going to make a plan and say, this is who I want to be, so I'm going to step into the opportunity God has put in front of me. Come on, every one of us have the opportunity, even today, when you leave, to make a plan of saying, what are areas I can grow in? How much can I open the Bible so I don't sit in the 80% of people that don't read their Bible? Like, how much can I read the Bible so that I can have a personal relationship with God? Make a plan. Number three, put up a fight. 27 says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. Come on, we got to put up a fight. You don't feel it all the time. You're not going to feel like praying. You're not going to feel like reading the word this year every single day. 365 days is a lot of days to attempt to pray and read the Bible when there's so many new shows on Netflix and there's new movies in the theaters every single weekend. No, we got to beat our body into submission. We got to make it our slave. And we say, no, this is the year of opportunities. I'm not backing away. I'm putting up a fight. And the result of all this is not getting disqualified. It's preaching the word and not getting disqualified. I'm going to invite the band up as I conclude. Daniel 6, 16 continues on with the story, and I just want to finish the story of Daniel. It says, so the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. I love that. Again, he's making it clear, whom you serve continually. Like, this isn't just a thing that you do in public. This isn't just a thing you do every once in a while. Even the king sees that continually Daniel serves God. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. 
Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought up to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, there it is again, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave the orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out from the den, no wounds were found on him because he had trusted in his God. What a powerful story. What a beautiful example of God's power and might. I love what it said in verse 17. Daniel's situation couldn't be changed. It couldn't be changed. Oh man, how many times have we faced things in our life and we're like, there's no way I could be changed. Depression. There's no way I could get out of this. Anxiety. There's no way. My, it could never be changed. I'm locked into the den of the lions. Addictions. Come on, I know even people in this room who've been in addictions for years and are searching freedom. They're locked behind a wall of stone that they think couldn't be changed. Oh man, the world and the enemy love to look at your situation in your life like it's a situation that can't be changed. But we serve a God who can change any situation and can turn it for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Come on, Daniel prayed just as he always did. He was a man of self-discipline. He was a man after God's own heart. He served him continually and God helped him in his time of need. Now we are on a way smaller scale. Hopefully none of us are being threatened to be thrown into a lion's den. But we are all really facing trials and hardships in our lives. We do have a very real assignment, a goal to achieve for our lives. Come on, it's to make disciples of every nation, teaching them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. This is the assignment for your life. Oh, if you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for meaning, it's right there. Don't walk past the purpose of why you have breath is to make disciples and teach everyone to obey what Jesus has commanded. Everything else is just helping you to do that. We can only do it though with the help of God. Oh man, the only reason this church has worked like you talk about, it wasn't even two years ago Brianna and I drove here with our four kids. We're like, yeah, in eight months we're gonna plant a church. Like, the only reason this has worked is with the help of God. It is God, he's building his church. We're being faithful stewards. We're loving people, loving God, doing the best we can do, but it's God. Come on, church, I believe that there's a Holy Spirit momentum that takes place in 2 Timothy 1.7. See, when we fan into flame, 
when we have enough self-discipline to fan into flame, he gives us the power, love, and self-discipline. So do we see this, this, this momentum we push towards, all we do is open the Bible and we spend time in that. You're allowing the fanning into flame of the gift of the Holy Spirit within you to continue in the momentum building. Are you with me today? Because what are the gifts that he gives you when you have enough self-discipline to fan into flame? Self-discipline. Oh man, I want to be self-disciplined by the power of God rather than on my own strength. I want to make a difference in the kingdom of heaven with the power of God rather than in my own strength. Come on. I want to make a dent on hell. I want to populate heaven and empty out hell by the power of God rather than in my own strength. Come on, church. There's a kingdom momentum. There's a Holy Spirit momentum and empowering that takes place. And in verse 14 of 2 Timothy, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the what? Help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Come on, he has given you momentum. Come on, this is the year of opportunities. Some of you, this is the year where your prayer life's gonna be unshaken. Some of you, this is the year where you're gonna read your Bibles every single day in dedication to God. Some of you, this is the year of beating your body into submission so you can run the good race. Some of you, this is the year where you step into serving alongside other believers in the local church. Some of you, this is the year where you activate your God-given calling. Come on, some of you, this is the year where you step out in evangelism and reach the lost at any cost. Come on, some of you, this is the year where you step into the gift of the Holy Spirit and use them to transform lives all around you. This is the year of opportunities. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Would you stand to your feet? Come on, self-discipline is the bridge of living in the fullness of opportunity. God has so much in store for your life. I pray we take full advantage of that. Amen. bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want to take a second to acknowledge anyone in this room that you hear me talking. You hear the passion. You hear the songs. You, you experience this moment. And you go, I do believe that Jesus is real. When the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so all this moment is, is you acknowledging that yeah, Jesus is real and maybe this is your first time or maybe you've walked away from God and you say today I want to re-acknowledge that I do believe in God and I want to live a life for Him right here, that's all this moment is so I'm going to count to three and at the count of three just want to welcome you in to the family of believers and welcome you on the first step of this great journey of living out what God has called you to be and into relationship with Him one, know that God loves you so much He sent His one and only Son for you two, Bible says today is the day of salvation. Come on, you don't need to have all the answers. This is your moment. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? You say, yep, I believe in God. I believe that he is Lord. I believe that he saved me. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him a moment. Oh, I see your hand. Hallelujah. Come on, I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on. Let's give just a moment longer. Anybody that would say, yeah, today I want to rededicate my life or I want to give my life to Jesus right here, right now. This is your moment. Well, come on, church, can we celebrate the three people that have raised their hands, who have made the decision to publicly declare their faith? Come on, this is exciting stuff. This is the Great Commission right in front of us.
Welcome to the family. So glad all three of you had the faith enough to raise your hand. Just want to encourage you. This is the first step in all of this. Make sure you get around other believers. Make sure you go out to the Connect booth. Get a Bible. We want to help you on the journey of this faith journey and really stepping into all that God has for your life in relation with Him. We love you. We're going to pray a prayer in just a second. Um, actually, can we pray it now? Is that okay? Let's pray it now. Go ahead, and if you, if you raise your hand, just would you repeat this after me? And everybody also repeat, but mean this from your heart. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Make me a brand new person and give me a brand new start. I acknowledge that you are Lord. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again. Be king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, can we celebrate people in this room? Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.